five million a year SaaS recurring that's literally a marketing platform that does it all okay that's got everything you could need built mostly by three people over the course of a couple of years i don't know if right now we pause if you're listening to this and if that doesn't show you possibilities and potential um i tried to build software multiple times i've actually gotten to the point now where i've quit um and my i love SaaS, i love software but what i've told myself is i'll do what i do best marketing and sales i'm going to let other people build it Every time I talk to a very successful software-driven entrepreneur, the story is the same. The original team that developed what they sold was one to three people. Today we're going to meet an entrepreneur that's done some amazing things and attacked a market that others would say is impossible or very hard to do using a really creative strategy. And so if you're listening and if you're a business owner and you're trying to get into a competitive marketplace, I think you can learn a lot from this founder and this entrepreneur today. Now, again, I'm super excited because this is also one of the early episodes of our Onyx and Gala show. That's right. You're officially listening to the Onyx and Gala show now. And so a little bit of a different format and a little bit of a different conversation. The guest today, his name is Aurelian Amaker, and I know I'm not pronouncing it correctly and I apologize ahead of time, but um, I... I was introduced to him about, it's been about a year and a half ago, and I was immediately impressed. And I'll tell you what, I was really impressed because he's going after a market that I found personally to be very difficult, but he's doing it brilliantly. And one of the things I've noticed in the market, here's how you know you're doing something right. If your name just keeps popping up, how I've always known if I should really connect with someone or not is if their name just keeps popping up and Aurelian's name keeps popping up. No matter where I am, at least once every couple weeks, someone will say, hey, you should meet him or you should be introduced to him or he's doing this or he's doing that. I'm like, all right, this is the person to be around. And I want to share, you know, I want to get into the strategy he's using of how, how to really overtake a competitive marketplace um, and do, do a great job and make a name and become an industry leader in that space. So without further ado, Aurelian, welcome to the Onyx and Golf Show. Hi, Anik. Thank you for uh, having me on the show. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, 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 uh, you were saying, uh, and he said this to me right before we started, he said, hey, as you know, I'm a patient man. We've been planning this podcast now for quite a few months, but you know what? It was destiny because you get to be the first official recording I'm doing as the Onyx and All Show. So maybe that was, maybe that's what we were waiting for. Aurelian, you've done some amazing stuff. You're the founder of System.io, um, which everyone has spelled system with an E at the end of it, .io. And really, really cool software. Um, I want, you know, when I see it, I think, hey, this is a really neat funnel builder, but I know that there's more to it. And I want you to talk about that. And then this is a competitive marketplace. And so you came out. I want to learn about what were you thinking when you decided to do this? What was going through your head? A lot of people are listening right now. You know, someone's like, I want to own a pizza restaurant. It's like, oh, so many pizza restaurants out there, right? Like, can they still make it? Or they want to do anything that's so competitive. But yeah, man, tell me a little bit about your story. Tell me a little bit about system.io. And then let's put the pieces together of like how you've done what you've done. Feel free to share any numbers you're comfortable with. But I know you guys are growing fast and I want to know how. Yeah, no, it's going great. I mean, you know, the, the pizza restaurant story, it's quite funny because I always uh, think to myself, if I was to open a restaurant, I would pick something that people eat like on a regular basis, like every week, like pizza, hamburger, uh, and I would open mine and I would try to create like the best, like maybe not the best food, but like really good food at a, at a great price, you know, and uh yeah, so that's basically what we did. Like I, I built several businesses in my life and I never really had a, like a, a crazy idea. You know, I always picked a business where some people were already making money and I just did it, you know, I just did my thing. And um, you, you're right, it's a very competitive market uh, and we, we're doing great. But, you know, you have some differences like... Um, I think that we're really focused on the product. It's funny because at the beginning, when people hear about us, they're like, oh, it's a cheaper alternative to ClickFunnels. You know, that's the, the image that we have. But if you listen to our users, to our customers, that's not what they say. They say it's easier to use, it's faster, yet it's very powerful. Customer support is amazing. And I'm not bragging, that's what it is. And, and, and they say, oh, and by the way, it's five to 10 times cheaper. 
So, I mean, you know, people are not stupid. If it's good, if it's easier to use, if it's cheaper, it's a no-brainer. And that's what it is. That's why it's working because, yeah, that's that's what it is. Got it. So just let's step back for everyone who's watching. System.io is a funnel builder. It's a it's a tool you use to put, build your funnels, to put up your your websites, if you're, especially if you're selling information products. And so that's why Aurelian is saying, hey, some people see this and immediately compare it to ClickFunnels because ClickFunnels is, you know, maybe I would say the largest company that does funnel building. They're obviously created the market and um, they have a huge following. And so that's why for me, Aurelian, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I think I hear about a new funnel builder at least once every two weeks. It feels to me like there are so many people that come into the market. Many don't last. Many don't make it. You obviously have. How long ago did you launch System.io? Yeah, it's a good question. So we launched the product in uh, early 2018. So been a, a little bit over four years. Okay. So by then, a company like ClickFunnels probably already had, what, 100,000 users or so? I, I don't remember what they had back then. Do you remember? So they, they announced that they reached 100,000 users um, early 2020. Okay. So they maybe had 50, 60, 70,000 users. Let's just face it. Let's just say they had a lot. They had a, they had a good head start. The, the What I've heard from you so far is like, hey, listen, focus really, really, really high on the product. Make the product way better. And then focus on the economics of the product. Well, I want to talk about the economics because to me, that sounds like counter advice. You hear a lot of people talk about like, hey, don't compete on price. Don't compete on price. But then, you know, obviously this is working for you. Where are you at now with system.io? Like how many users do you have now? You've been up for four years. How's the growth looked? Yeah, so we have uh, 13,000 uh, paid users. Wow. So it's about 400,000 uh, per month in revenue. Um, and um, yeah, uh, my, my goal for next year, 2023, is to grow by 50%. So to, to get uh, to 20,000 paid users by the end of uh, 2023. And what, what was your growth last from last year to this year, 21 to 2022? Or even 2020, 2021. Yeah, so actually, so what happened, we launched in 2018. So initially in the French market, I mean, it was in French and in English, but we didn't have any traction, any, any you know, uh, any audience in the English market. So we started growing in the French market. Uh, we started really working in the English market, like I'd say 2019, because it, it was really like growing in the French market. And I felt that it was time to start investing. But it was so hard. I mean, it was terrible. Like it took us three and a three and a half years to go from one to one thousand customers in the English market. When I say English market, I mean English speaking market. All right. So three and a five years to go from one to one thousand customers. Like it was very hard, you know. And then it took us seven months to go from one thousand to two thousand customers in the English market. And then it took us uh, five months to get to 2,000 to 3,000. And uh, we're going to get to 4,000 customers just like three and a half months later. So it's definitely, you know, growing in the English market. In the French market, we're number one. I mean, the growth, we really, we were lucky because of COVID. I mean, uh, we were already doing well. And when COVID hit, it was crazy. It was, you know, plus the, the, there was like lockdown. I mean, we all lived this uh, crazy, crazy time period, but we grew really fast. Uh, but we were growing before and we kept growing after. Uh, it's just that. So we took over ClickFunnels in the French market and uh, now in the English market, we're growing and uh, we have uh, some translations in other languages as well. Italian, Spanish, German, Dutch, Portuguese. So, so to me, it sounds like that was a big part of your strategy as well, right? Uh, so it's not just good product or great product and great price. I, I see that you kind of snuck in there with, you picked a unique market. You, put, you niched down your market to kind of propel you, give you that user base, and then you use that momentum to, re, to bounce back into the English speaking. Did I summarize that correctly? No, no, it's completely true. But, you know, it's a, it's a tough uh, strategy because... So in theory, if you have a product like some software, you know, you can sell it in any language, right? Yeah. Uh, 
Okay, that's the theory. Then comes a reality that uh, hits you in the face. So, <laughs> I mean, it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a lot uh, harder than it seems. Uh, it takes uh, a crazy amount of time to scale in different markets. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's our strategy, and uh, it's working. Just that it's uh, it's a lot of work. Yeah. So you know. It's not just geographically. I'm like thinking about people that are watching this. It's the the core lesson there was like niched down, right? So built this product and got it niched down. And I'm and I, I've done this, right? So anyone's watching me right now, um, I niched down specifically to say, you know what? I want to work with information marketers that are already up and running and generating at least a hundred thousand a year in business. And that was just because of my future thing, future kind of where I see myself going. Aurelian is 100% right. It's harder. <laughs> it's a harder market to reach. It's more hustle. It's got some longevity, some really cool benefits, but like it's not the easiest way. But in your market, in your, if you're dealing with competitiveness, is there a way you can niche down and go after a particular niche, get that to use that to kind of springboard your entry into the market and then go from there? Um, so really, really, um, it's actually a really inspiring story. I mean, to do that in this market. Now, when you say you're at a great price, what is your price comparatively? Because I heard you say five to 10 times cheaper and that got my attention. Like how much cheaper do you have to be for a price to become a competitive advantage? Sure, sure. So first, we're not only a funnel builder. It's only in one marketing platform. So it's not only, and from the beginning, the idea wasn't to have only, you know, sales funnels. So we have sales funnels, email marketing, um, you can create your own course, you can manage your affiliate program, you can set up automations. Uh, you can also sell physical products. You know, it's really an only one marketing platform. Um, so yeah, it's the first thing. And uh, the price is very simple. We have a free plan that allows you to manage up to 5,000, uh, no, 2,000 contacts. And then the plans are $27 per month, $47 per month, and $97 per month. And so we have a free plan and that's great, you know, but then we have an unlimited plan for $97 per month. So, you know, if you have a, a, an email list of like 30,000 people, you're spending, I don't know, $500 on active campaign per month, $300 for click funnels. Uh, you can, you know, move to our platform and you will pay $97 per month. Like we don't have, you don't pay m more when you have more contacts. Ah, so so it's a it's a double whammy. I mean, what you guys what you're doing is for the end customer. So again, someone who's trying to enter a competitive marketplace, he didn't just go out and eliminate or replace one software, one service. It's multiple. So allowing everyone to kind of fold into one place makes their life easier, makes their bills cheaper, and um, so that so you, that's where you get to the five to ten times cheaper. That's where I was. I was like, how did that number come about? So here's a question. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah, I mean, kind of, yeah, true. But like just with two software, you know, two pieces of software, yeah, it's definitely five to 10 times cheaper. But um, I mean, I, there, there is something I'd like to say, Anik, because, you know, when you tell people, oh, we have a software that does like not everything, but like all the, the main features, you know, sales funnels, email marketing, the first reaction is to think, oh, okay, but that's not a good idea. You know, like there is no way you can be good at everything. Yeah. And in theory, that's true. But we did it, you know, because my idea was like, oh, what if you had, because I started selling online courses in 2010. And believe me, it was a struggle at that time. You know, you had to, I was using some weird HTML pages that a, a developer friend and marketer was making with some courses hosted on WordPress, integrating with some old-fashioned French payment processor, you know, I mean, it was it was pretty hard, you know. And over the years, I, I wasn't really happy with the exist existing tools. You know, I tried ClickFunnels when they launched and there were some things that you couldn't translate. Um, I was a customer, I was a customer of Entreport for like three months. I was paying $300 per month and I couldn't even use it. I mean, it was ridiculous because it wouldn't work with my PayPal account or whatever, you know, I mean, it was ridiculous, you know, paying $300 per month and you cannot do anything. And the, the software was very heavy, you know, hard to use. So, I mean, I, I wasn't happy with the existing tools. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try to create my own 
tool. And today that's what we use to power our entire business. You know, you go to our website, it's a sales funnel. The email list, we have like, um, I mean, we have hundreds of thousands of people on our uh, contact list. It's our own servers. So we manage our entire business. We do almost $500,000 in revenue per month. And we use just a, a system.io account. It's just that we have some specific features, like we can sell, obviously, some system.io plans. But I really want to emphasize the fact that, no, it's not true that a tool that does several things cannot be good. It's the contrary, actually. It's trying to link different tools. It's, it's a nightmare. I did for years. You know, I was a customer with Aweber for seven years. I was using Aweber for my pages, sometimes lead pages, sometimes some WordPress plugin, you know. It's really, there is no way you're going to have a good user experience where, when you're trying to stitch together different tools. No way. Yeah. So, so there's opportunity in doing the opposite of what people say, which is there's opportunity in actually building a solution that's more inclusive and offers more in one for your target market. And so I've already, I mean, what's been really interesting to watch, right, is that you've actually applied all of this and had the success. Because a lot of people will come out, like I said, so many people say, hey, don't compete on price. And so you you get a chance to look at them and just say, cool story, bro. <laughs> like, good for you that you say that. I am, I'm doing great at it. A lot of people will also say, hey, uh, don't, don't do so many things. Do one thing really well. And you're saying, well, but that's the real competitive advantage because the other thing is, right, when someone's using system.io and they're doing everything with it, where are they going to go? I mean, eventually that's a very sticky, sticky, uh, sticky reason to be there. Um, so I have so many questions that are flying through my mind, man, about how you market this and how you positioned yourself in the competitive space. Um, I know you came in from the French marketplace, but then like, how'd you market? How'd you enter the U.S. market or the English speaking market? I want to come to all of that. Before we do that, I'm a little curious to learn your backstory. So um, tell me a little bit about what led you to founding System.io, because I, I would love to learn a little bit about what you've done before and how come you had this idea? What was missing in the marketplace? What, well, actually, did you create System.io because you found something missing that you wanted to address? Or did you just see an opportunity to do it better or cheaper and you thought, okay, I can take it? Tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, like I said, uh, I had been selling online courses in the French market since 2010. So courses about how to make money online. You know, I started with the blog. I was making money out of my blog and I started selling courses about how to make money online and, you know, that kind of stuff. I was doing some product launches, uh, you know, Jeff Walker style. I was in his uh, mastermind group and um, it wasn't working for me. I never embraced the launch model. Uh, it works great for, for others. You know, it's great, but uh, I never really liked it. So I just left the group and went on my own, went on my own. And um, yeah, I mean, through the, um, I was, I was listening to a lot of podcasts, you know, and uh Almost every time I I could discover some entrepreneur that was making at least 50,000 euros, I mean, dollars per month in revenue with some uh, SaaS, you know, like some software. And I was like, oh, that's a great business. You know, it's recurring and stuff. So I decided in 2015 to, to, to build uh, my own tool. And like you said, like so many people tried, you know, like uh, I know so many people who tried and uh, failed. So building software is really hard. I failed the first year. I had a company in Morocco doing the development. And these guys, I mean, I, I think they had no idea that they had no idea. So they were really <laughs> dangerous people, you know. So I, <laughs> I'm going to use that. They had no idea that they have no idea. I like that. It's true. It's true. It's ridiculous, you know. Like, you know, the Scrum uh, methodology, right? Scrum, have you heard about it? It's like yeah. the, yeah, it's the methodology that, you know, all the startups use, all the all the software companies. And it, it was going so bad that me and my wife, we flew to Morocco to meet them in person. And they were so good at telling me, oh, it's going to be fine, but so bad at actually delivering pretty much anything. And during that meeting, I was like, yeah, I read a line that there is that Scrum methodology, you know, uh, maybe we should do this. And they were like, Scrum? Oh, can you can you look that up, you know? <laughs> it's like, 
So yeah, I fired them after after a year, and uh, I was desperate. Uh, tried different freelancers, and then I found a guy, and I, I saw that I could rely on this guy. So then uh, we we hired two similar guys, and we built the, the software during uh, 2017. Over this year, I moved my info business to our own software, and then we launched in 2017. And since I had a list of about 25,000 people at that time. I was able to do a launch on my list. After that, we had 400 paying customers. But then, the, I mean, we, we kept growing uh, all the time, you know. Wow, it's amazing. Uh, I, you answered one of the questions. I was going to ask you, hey, how'd you get this thing developed? So was it just one coder? Because you said you had found one guy that you could really rely on. Was it just one guy over the yes. course of a year? Yeah, yeah, no, so no, no, that was a guy, uh, and it was crazy because I could see the difference because I had a bunch of them, and I could see that they were actually scared of this guy, you know. They were like, oh, but you know, uh, the development, the deployment process, and whatever. And I was like, look, I have that guy. He tells me it's gonna be done in two hours. Two hours later, it's done. So at the end of the day, you know, when you hire people, you have people who find problems and people who find solutions. If you want to get if you want to make some progress, you need to find people who find solutions, okay? So I found this guy and um, I got him to, to, to work with me. And I was like, hey, do you know someone like you? And he was like, yeah, I work with this guy. I know he's really good. I was like, okay, let's get him on board. And then we, we struggled a bit to get the third developer because it was a different technology, you know, to do the drag and, drag and drop editor. Uh, but after like three months, we found one. And with these three guys, we build the entire product. And actually, it's funny because we had those three developers for a long time. Like, I think we we hired another developer only in maybe 2020. Wow. And today we have only like eight or nine. So a five million a year SaaS recurring, that's literally a marketing platform that does it all. Okay, that's got everything you could need built mostly by three people over the course of a couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if right now we pause if you're listening to this, and if that doesn't show you possibilities and potential. Um, I tried to build software multiple times. I've actually gotten to the point now where I've quit. Um, and my I love SaaS, I love software, but what I've told myself is I'll do what I do best marketing and sales. I'm going to let other people build it. Every time I talk to a very successful software-driven entrepreneur, the story is the same. The original team that developed what they sold was one to three people. It's almost never more. I mean, I talked to the founder of Jasper, and when I had interviewed him six months ago, it was one person. <laughs> it was their current CTO. It was one guy. For, over the course of a few months, he just kept perfecting and building it. They literally built a tool worth a billion dollars now. It was one person. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. So amazing. Um, so what about you though? So you were, you, okay, so you were selling information products and then you felt the need and you, you said, okay, I can, I can develop this. You were desiring a SaaS. So you said something else really interesting earlier, which I think a lot of people could take a lot of inspiration from. You said, hey, I've had a lot of businesses and never have I really been that creative. I've never really, you know, been the guy. That's me, man. I always say like this, this beautiful iPhone in my hands. I'm never going to be the guy that creates something like this. Like, I'm just not that creative. I'm not that innovative. Um, and I feel like there's a lot of people in this world who want to be an entrepreneur who start and they think they have to have that killer idea where they literally could just have a pizza shop. Like, why not talk to that? What, you know, how has that served you or not served you? Just talk a little bit more about that where you said you're not that creative. It's exactly like, uh, like I said at the beginning, when you mentioned the pizza shop, because I'm, so I come, I grew up in a, in a, let's say a tough suburb, north, north of Paris. And uh, we didn't have a lot of money. You know, my mom uh, raised me as a single mother. Uh, so yeah, I was, uh, we, we didn't have a lot of money and I've always been really interested in a uh, business. You know, I always thought that it was, you know, amazing to be able to build something and uh, I don't know, I'm very curious and I've traveled a lot. I've lived in, uh, in Australia, in Colombia. My wife is Colombian. Now I live in Portugal. 
And uh, I'm very curious, you know, when I go to a restaurant or whatever, I'm going to be, you know, just paying attention to, you know, the business and stuff. And I always thought that you think that you, you, you should have a great, an amazing idea to get a business started. But if you want to open a successful restaurant, you're not going to create a new cuisine, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can, but uh, chances are you're going you're gonna to fail. So it's better to pick something that people like. Like I said, you know, it's burger, pizza, stuff like that. And then you, you try to create the best, you know, if you see that there is already an amazing restaurant that's doing amazing food at a great price, maybe, you know, it's not the best, the, the best idea to try to compete with them. But most of the time, you don't have such a restaurant. Maybe in the US, you know, the offer is so developed that it's hard. But in most places, like in Lisbon, there is a really good burger place where I go, but it's really expensive, you know. And I'm thinking, yeah, you could do something good, like 80% as good for, you know, like 40% of the price, like 50% of the price. And and I, I spoke to some restaurant entrepreneurs and they were like, eh, but you know, it's expensive, the food and stuff. I'm like, guys, there is a guy who opened a restaurant in Paris, a burger restaurant. The name is literally Eat and Beat It because you can, <laughs> for real, it's Manger et Cassez-vous. It means eat and beat it because the burger is like two euros 50. You know, there is a line all the time. And I'm like, Paris is a very expensive city, you know. If this guy can sell a burger for less than three euros in Paris, you can then sell a burger for, you know, four euros in Lisbon. No worries. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, um, we keep talking about pizza. It's making me want pizza now. But um, uh, one of my very good friends, so shout out to Nas and uh, Manoj, they own a pizza place right here in Bethesda, Maryland. So it's uh, Bethesda is a city. It's a pretty busy city. Um, it's got all the, you know, I can't even begin to tell you how many pizza places are there or how many restaurants are there. There's a lot. And they opened a pizza place, but their specialty is they make, they make fusion pizza. So she will take lots of dishes, like a Thai dish and puts it on a pizza and it tastes amazing. It actually tastes like that dish, but it's in pizza and it's, it's really good. And, um, they are probably one of the most profitable pizza chains I know of. Um, they, because they're constantly booked because they do something unique. They took a product people love, pizza. They took another product that people love, which might be some type of Thai cuisine or an Indian cuisine, or and they merged them into one and created a pizza. Uh, you'll never see that. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I think I think you have to be uh, as an entrepreneur. You have to be passionate about the product. Yeah. That's what's killing me. I see all the time. You know, uh, I mean, you, you want to talk about the the competitive space? Look. Take any competitive app. I'm not sure if the owner is passionate by the product as I am, you know. I don't think he spends a lot of time using it. I don't think he spends a lot of time hearing feedback from the users, you know. We have some Facebook groups. We have 75,000 people in the French group. We have 30, 32,000 people in the, in, the, in the English Facebook group. And I'm in these groups every day people know it you know they can reach out to me so you know like russell brunson i don't think he's on facebook you know reading you know he's i don't know traveling in jet or whatever buying companies whatever but i don't think he's focused on the products and it's very simple like i want to focus on the product i want to make a great product i want to make a great offer i want to build a great company and that's what it takes you know yeah, I'm hearing that a lot from you. And I feel like that comes out of Silicon Valley. I hear that a lot. I have a, a really dear friend of mine who's obsessed with this product. And uh, he's, he's he's obsessed to the point where he's the CEO, he's the founder, and you can message him at three in the morning and he'll respond. He'll get up and go take care of it. It's down, it's out, something's wrong. He'll take care of it. So what drives that that passion though? I mean, here's where I find a little bit hard to believe. Is it is it the passion? Is it the exit? Is that what you're passionate about? But like, it's hard to say that, it's hard to imagine someone gets up and is passionate about a funnel, right? Or, or maybe you are, I have no idea. I mean, I'm passionate about silly things too, but like define the passion. Are you passionate really about the product, about the funnel, about how it's helping people? Are you passionate about maybe what you could build too, about having 100,000 users and selling for a billion dollars? Where is that passion? Like define that for me. Yeah, it's uh, the passion. 
in I ask myself a lot of questions all, all the time, you know, because to me, it's like I'm living a, a dream alive and you have entrepreneurs having a lot more success than me. But to me, it's really, it's crazy. It's like winning the World Cup uh, almost uh, every week. So I can tell you that in the morning I wake up, I just want to, you know, get a cup of coffee and get on my computer you know, listen to music and start working. And uh, I just love it. Um, so, of course, making money is great. But, uh, I mean, uh, we, we we chatted a little bit before this call. And, uh, I mean, you're a very successful entrepreneur. And after some, some while, you realize that, you know, more money is not going to be equal to more happiness, of course. So let's let I want to I want to dig deeper into this because you brought me into it. And I think it's a great thing to talk about. I've been dealing with this big time this last year, a couple of years, maybe a few years. And I can speak very passionately about passion. <laughs> um, have you before system.io, did you did you have a business that you were doing where you were making money and you weren't passionate about it? Yeah, it's a good question. So my, yeah, I mean, um, I guess I was passionate about, you know, selling info products. So I was selling courses about digital marketing. And also I had a, a small blog about how to learn English that was like making money and stuff. And um, yeah, I guess I was passionate about the business, but um, I was, uh, I was, uh, I was suffering because it wasn't as successful as I wanted. So I wasn't, I, I was buddy with the top marketers, but I wasn't as good as them, you know, and that's what drove me to leave the Jeff Walker's mastermind group and go down my own path. So I think I was passionate, but um, I was suffering because I, I, I couldn't feel that I was uh, financially, I mean, I was doing okay, you know, but uh, yeah, I, I couldn't feel that I was like, doing well enough you know i was like i i can do better than that yeah. so i mean to me it sounds like what you're saying is hey everyone it's it's okay you have permission to allow money to be a part of your passion right because i think we're getting to a point now in society where it's almost wrong to be like you know i'm doing this because i want to be really rich and it's people are like oh, you know oh my god you're so you know you're so uh so superficial and i'm like well it's okay i mean it's it sucks if that's the only reason you're doing it you know, but you, you, I would, you know, you kind of alluded to it, but I guess you wake up more excited today than you used to five, six years ago when you were selling information products. Correct assumption? Yeah, absolutely. No, honestly, it's uh, making money is great. Making more money is great. Uh, but it's not only about this. It's really about just, I don't know, like winning, I would say, you know, uh, and, you know, I, I don't have any exit plan. People tell me, oh, I was going to ask you that. What's your exit plan? <laughs> I have a friend, you know, it's crazy. You're like my best friend. He was like, I was like, yeah, I think this thing, you know, could be worth a hundred million, you know, um, in a couple of years. And he was like, dude. And, and, and I was like, but I don't want to sell, you know, I just enjoy doing what I do. And, you know, why would I sell? Like I would take a hundred million and then what? I would buy like stocks. And I would make 5% per year. It sucks. You know, I know I could keep doing and do like maybe compound at, you know, 30% year over year. And it was like, dude, if you ever get an offer for hundred million, <laughs> you take it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, um, I, and again, see, that's the product obsession. And I want to talk more about that because it's a common trend. You talk, you, you listen to Steve Jobs' story, you look at Elon Musk's story. People always talk about Elon Musk sleeps at the office. You know, he literally will sleep at the Tesla factory. Well, what do you think he's doing? You think he's sleeping there because he's having, you know, board meetings? Like, not really. He's sleeping there because that's the time he's testing the product, playing with the product, reading the emails about it, you know, fine tuning and obsessing about it. Steve Jobs was known for a fact to use the iPhone like crazy and like the smallest little pixelation would drive him insane and he would obsess over it and want it fixed. I will be honest, and this is my, my it's my honesty, you know, to everybody. It's my commitment, right? As we're doing this, to do this new podcast. It's, well, it's always been my commitment to be very transparent. I don't think I've been obsessive enough about the product in the last 20 years of my life. I've been great at making good products. I've been good at making great products, but I've never been obsessive about my product. I've been obsessive about my marketing, about my copy, about my conversions, but I feel like 
I don't have a single product that I can think back to that I every week said, how do we make it better? How do we make it better? Until now, I'm seeing myself do it now. And here's what I want to tell everybody. So I have a product, okay? It's a mastermind that I started. And we're, what, a month and a half into it? I mean, I haven't even had a chance to start half the things. The features of it are still getting floated. But we're doing some things. And I'm very obsessive about it. It's the first thing I check when I wake up. It's my members. If you're in that mastermind, you're like, you have like a total VIP access. I want to like hold you on a flower, like a bed of flowers. And, you know, I'm like being, my, my members are getting VIP treatment. I was at an event recently. And I had so I I mean, there was probably 10 people from my mastermind at the event. This is about a 180 person event. So it's not like a huge amount of people. I'm getting pulled aside by people and they're like, hey, I want to talk to you about your mastermind. And I'm like, how do you even know about it? Like, we're not publicly talking about this thing. And he's like, well, they're, they, they're, I've heard like five people here just obsess about it. What is it? What are you doing? And it wasn't just one time or two times or three times. This happened enough for me to be like, wait a minute, you know? And I think that's a really good takeaway here. Do you obsess about your product? If you're watching this, like do you every week? So let's talk about that. Aurelian, do you have any kind of like systems in place? Do you, do you guys have like a weekly or like every month you roll out new features or a way that you're capturing all this information to obsess and make the product better and better and better? What are the systems you use? Yeah, so first I like to mention that I'm not like crazy. I don't think I'm, you know, crazy obsessive regarding the product like you know steve jobs or stuff like that i mean because i'm pragmatic you know it's very hard to do software so um good enough is good enough you know so i want to improve the product we're always adding more features i want to you know but uh i mean it's not it's not you know of course it's not perfect we're working to make it better but i mean we have this commitment uh to make it better and uh you know there was like the um, ClickFunnels to launch, like they had this event, you know, Ferner Hacker Live, when they, <laughs> I mean, I think they, they, they made a huge mistake, you know, uh, so because they promised that they would write the entire platform again with some new features. And, you know, of course it got delayed because you don't want to do this. It's a terrible idea. But then like one year later, they were ready to launch and they had this event <laughs> and the display that timeline and it was like okay so look these are the features that we've built so far so it's the same features that were before pretty much and these are the features we're going to add and these are the features that we promised you one year ago so you know and there was a guy on facebook a, a, a marketer in the us and he was like he trashed them and he was like that's why i, I prefer a company like system because they're always adding some you know some features and we do it quietly. Like we literally post a group in our Facebook group. So, you know, it's a, it's a commitment to improve the product all the time. And we, we make some mistakes. It's not perfect, but we're very transparent. Um, and uh, again, like if you want to talk about competitiveness, uh, I, I don't think you see like the other companies doing this, you know, the founder, or the top executives are not going to be hanging around, you know, the Facebook groups. They're not going to be replying themselves. They're not going to be adding more features all the time or really, you know, I'm in this all the time. And again, I'm not crazy obsessive about the product. I want the product to, to be better, but I'm kind of obsessive about creating a great company. So it's not only the, the the product, it's also the customer support. We have amazing customer support. We reply on average under two hours, seven days a week. So it's very important for me and people love it. And that's something that always, you know, in the reviews, in the testimonials, people always comment about the customer support. And uh, yeah, it's about creating a great company. So we're a 100% remote company. We have people in many different countries, you know, it's, uh, it's really exciting because that's something I, that wasn't possible like when I was a kid, you know, I could imagine, oh, one day I, I will have a, a big company and I will be like stuck at the office from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., you know, and today you have Slack. And today I went to the mall with my wife, you know, because we had some er uh, some errands to to run. You know, we we had lunch uh, in a restaurant and, uh, you know, I could check my messages and, uh, you know, just uh keep the the things going so it's uh yeah it's we're living a, an amazing an amazing time so 
you know, one of the key takeaways here is what you said is as the founder, as the CEO, stay connected, you know, be in the groups, let the customers talk to you. Don't be afraid of them. Don't run from them. And I can tell you point blank that in my career, I've gotten to a place where I did get to the point where I did not want to talk to the customers. I was afraid of the customers. And, and that was where the passion, that's where I realized I saw it. And I'm like, my passion isn't there. I have it's and it has nothing to do with a dislike over the customers or anything like that. I love them all. It's just that as an entrepreneur, I've done the same thing for 20 years and I'm just I want to talk about different things and do different things. But I started to feel distant and you start to hire all these people that are like layers between you and the customer and you get to a place where you're not hearing their their messages are so buffered that you're hearing what you want to hear and you're not hearing what they really want. Now in what we're doing today and how we're transitioning Oh my God. I mean, I will tell you right now, this would stress some people out, but here I'll pull up my Facebook and all of these are just chats that are currently open that I need that, that people sent to me. It's a lot, but they're amazing. Like these are people I want to talk to. Uh, we had someone, um, I had someone over yesterday. We're doing a consult with one of my customers. He's over. And at the end of the consult, when I was like, Hey, are we done? Did you get everything you needed? He said, yes. I said, okay, great. We have 10 minutes. I'd like to ask you a question. How can we be better? And he looked at me first and he was like, well, you guys are already great. This is great. And I said, no, nah, we could always be better. How could we be better? And he started to give some insight. He started to give some feedback. And man, one of this feedback was amazing. Super easy to implement. And I, and I took that and I was like, let me go ask a few other members. How would they feel about this? And I did. And they thought, wow, that would be awesome. I'm like, really? I would never think that would be something that you would want. And they're like, no, we'd love this. I'm like, I can have this implemented by like the next couple of days. This is some pursuit. So like a little tweak, right? One more now improvement upon the product, which I would have never had that idea if I didn't genuinely ask the customer, hey, how can we be better? And and I asked it genuinely, meaning to, you know, I wanted to listen. So yeah, go ahead. No, you have to listen to the customer. It's, uh, it's great. That's, uh, that's all you have to do. But some people, many people don't do it, you know? So, but th that's something again, right? We're taking away... If you're, if you're trying to enter into a competitive marketplace, one of the things that you can use to your advantage is that your competition, the juggernauts, right? The big, big guys in that space have gotten so big that they probably have all these hierarchies and these layers and all of that. And so one of the competitive advantages that you have if you're trying to get into a competitive space is the nimbleness, where you can absolutely move faster, you could talk to the customers, and you should utilize that to your advantage. So again, get in front of your customers, talk to them, but listen and actually make those changes. Um, I want to switch a little bit here, um, and I want to talk about one of your strategies. This is for personal curiosity. I remember, this is years ago, okay, maybe, I don't know, five, six years ago, way before I heard about System.io, I was talking to a friend of mine, and uh, we were talking about different SaaSes and different tools, and, um, you know, my audience at that time was an audience that something like a funnel builder would probably be very easy to sell to. Um, that's the kind of stuff they're looking for, they want. And so someone asked me, Anik, why don't you develop this? And I chuckled and I laughed and I said, nah, not my market, not my thing. I'm building something different. I want to focus on that. But I said, if I ever did, I feel like the easiest way to win the market over very quickly would be to make mine free, to have a plan that is free. And actually, I even filmed an episode recently on the podcast called The King of Free. I have found and if I go back and I look at my life when I started 21 years ago to today, I have found that I use the power of free a lot, especially when I'm entering into new markets. Um, I trust myself. I know that if I can get them in the door, I will absolutely get them to pay. I'm curious because when I saw System.io come out and I remember I went to the site and I thought, son of a gun, that's what he's doing. He's got a freemium plan. Talk to me about that strategy, right? This may not be applicable to everybody in every kind of business, but the freemium strategy, was it helpful? Was it a big part of your growth? How many of those people actually become paid users or has it really not been that big of a deal? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, it's funny because I always, uh, I always like the idea of the freemium model. I don't really know why. I know when we started, you know, making money online, like in 2010 with some buddies, like it was either you would go with Aweber or MailChimp. And Aweber was like the, it was really like for marketers. That's how we felt, you know. Was it true? I don't know. But, you know, many, many marketers were using it. So for us, it was a good choice. 
And but the thing was that Mailchimp was free up to two thousand contacts, and um, mm. and yeah, um, I mean I went with with Aweber and it was fine, but some people did go with Mailchimp, a minority actually I'd say in that uh, niche. But I always loved the idea of uh, free. Uh, I thought it was very appealing. But so it's funny when I when I started building the, the thing, I remember talking with my developer and I was like, yeah, you know, we're going to build it and we're going to make it for free. So exactly what you said. And I remember at that time I spoke with a, a marketer. And I was like, yeah, uh, so, you know, we're going to build this and it's going to be free. And she looked at me and she was like, OK, but how am I going to make money? And I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, OK, maybe, you know. Uh, it's not gonna work. So yeah, we we launched it with the uh, fourteen day uh, free trial, which is the most common option. But I but I kept the idea of uh, the the freemium model. So we worked on this with uh, one guy on my team for six months, studying the thing, thinking about you know the different plans and stuff, and we launched it in April of uh, last year. So it's not been that much oh okay so this wasn't a big part of your initial growth this is recent that you launched it yeah exactly and how has it has it helped a lot has it done anything or are you like eh, could have done without it no 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 i, I like it i think it's a it's a strength you know um so you know we all about being very competitive on price as you can uh guess and uh having a free plan is kind of a way to lower your price because some people who <laughs> i mean it's the lowest price <laughs> yeah exactly exactly i mean it has limited features of course but uh uh yeah it's kind of a way to lower your price so for us uh i think it makes sense uh personally uh, i love it i think it works great works for us might not work for everyone. Again, you know, it's funny. It's really a, a question of, you know, it's like the, the pricing, the pricing strategies. It's a not and, it, and it's a science, but it's a science in theory, but practically speaking, it's a little bit, there is a little bit of magic, but you have to go with the option with which you feel comfortable, you know? Yeah. No, absolutely. Do you have any data on, how many people who do the freemium actually upgrade and end up paying? Have you ever run that data? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's funny because um, so when we had a 14-day free trial, we were converting 11% of the free trials into paid customers. So within two weeks, you know, of course. I mean, maybe not. Yeah, I mean, on average, but yeah. Uh, some people would take longer, but yeah. Um, and with the free plan, we divided our conversion rate by two. So it's a uh, 5.5%. But I bet, I mean, that's pretty good because I bet it really increased your uh, conversion on the front end, right? Like maybe a lot more people take it up. Yeah, so we've, be, we've been doing a lot of uh, um, A-B tests on our um, homepage. It's really exciting, you know, because like, did you remember that book by Russell Brunson, like a uh, 108 split test? Yeah, long back. Yeah, have it. It's a good book. Yeah, great book. Yeah. And I read it and I was like, oh, but look, wait, this test, you have like 25 conversions and 40, 42 conversions, right? If you get back at it and you read, you will see that in many examples, you don't have enough conversions to have some st uh, statistically. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So we started because when you discover digital marketing, you're like, oh, it's really exciting. I'm going to start running some split tests and stuff, you know, and, you know, you run a split test and you get 50 conversions and 70 and you're like, yeah, it converts 32% more, you know, I'm a bowler. But uh, so with my team, we, we run some split tests and it's really exciting because uh, we, so we have to wait till we get 10,000 conversions on each variant to get to a conclusive result, you know? So it's really exciting. We're improving the conversion rate. So, I mean, it's not only the offer, it's also the work that we do on the homepage. Um, 
so yeah, you, you're supposed to, to get more people. But like I said before, with the 14-day free trial, we were already growing. Because remember, people think it's just a cheaper alternative. But if you look at the reviews, I mean, you go to, do you know Captera? It's a like review website. No. It's Captera.com. Actually, it's weird. I think it's South African, but it's, it's pretty popular. Uh, and like ClickFunnels have, um, I mentioned ClickFunnels because you mentioned them and, you know, it's uh, one of the biggest in the space, but they have like 480 reviews with an average rating of 4.6. And we have like 530 reviews with an average rating of 4.8. So, I mean, you know, and you look at the reviews, it's mind blowing. Honestly, the users, and I'm not saying it's perfect. It, it, it is not, and it, it will never be, but people love it. They say, oh, it's great. It's amazing. You know, it does a lot of things. It's fast. It's reliable. It works great. Amazing customer support. So, I mean, you know, that, that's the reason why we're growing because, I mean, you know, most of the people don't, many people don't know about, about us, but if they knew about us, they would choose us over the competition. So do you imagine? It's crazy. And that's why I'm I'm a bit mad with the, you know, the influencers, because we we have a really hard time get them to talk about us. Um, and it's taken years, you know, to get some traction in the English market. Yeah. Well, I think the common theme I've really heard from you, Aurelian, that is inspiring is not just did you say, hey, we keep making the product better, but I noticed how you said, hey, we keep making the conversion better. I think what you do, the theme of your entire messaging of how you build companies is keep making things better. Instead of doing more things, a lot of entrepreneurs, we do more, right? We have more companies, more products, more this, and, and most of the very successful, you'll hear them say, hey, do less, but do it really well. And like do, right? So you are a marketing platform and you are going to do everything better. You're going to do the conversion better. You're going to do the customer support better. You're going to do the product better. You're going to keep making those refinements. And that's what's leading to a lot of your success. Um, you mentioned influencers. So I want to pivot and talk a little bit about in a competitive landscape, how are you marketing yourself? Because you've had pretty decent growth, man. I mean, 13,000 paid users now is, is great. I know that it's been latent. And like you said, you've been struggling to get into some of the markets. Um, but how, like today, how many new users do you attract per day and where's your marketing coming from? Is it just pure word of mouth? Are you doing paid advertising? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. So it's funny because we like, uh, we we've started recently running uh, paid ads, you know, um, we, we, we're not good at uh, running ads. That's not our thing. So we really relied on our affiliate program. So we were paying 40% affiliate commissions like lifetime affiliate commissions. And uh, we moved to actually 50% affiliate commissions uh, a few months ago. So we really relied on our affiliates. And when I mean affiliates, because when we launched in the French market, I mean, you're going you're gonna to find it funny because I was a marketer and maybe I, I wasn't, you know, like the, the, the best one or whatever. I mean, Almost no marketer promoted us. We went from zero to number one in a couple of years when like no marketer promoted us. Like they kept promoting ClickFunnels or like there is a like a, another French alternative. And um, it's it's crazy. And I I was telling people all the time, look, we, we went from zero to number one in the market when like almost no influencer promoted us ever. It's crazy. It's just because... We built an army of affiliates, so our users, our customers, people who, you know, affiliates, people who believe in our product, that will promote us. And um, it, it, I think it's a great way to, like, build a company, uh, but it takes a lot of time. You know, it's really like adding more and more affiliates promoting you. And it takes, so, it takes a lot of time. Yeah. So go after the long tail affiliates, right? So it's like, instead of going for the A plus players who are going to drive the big numbers, but they're hard to get a hold of, they're picky, they're needy, they're demands, and they have existing relationships. You're saying, hey, again, don't go for those guys. Go for the rest of them who no one's talking to and you show up and you're talking to them and they have direct access to you. So build, you said, an army instead of a few very select powerful influencers, build an army of micro influencers who are going to drive you a few users here and there, but they're going to love you because you are, you're accessible. 
So that exactly what you said, it's a, the long tail of affiliates that the exact expression that I use, uh, but it's not that it, these are not people that we get in touch with. I mean, I've spent a lot of time doing outreach and it's really, really hard, like almost impossible. So it's more people who naturally land in our ecosystem, you know, either as a user, as a customer, or find out about our, our affiliate program and decide by themselves to start promoting us. I mean, we, we, we're still reaching out to people. I have a couple of people working on this. And it's crazy because have you heard the story about how ConvertKit grew like crazy, like in uh, 2015 to 2018? I want to say yes, but I can't. No, go ahead and say it again because I, I vaguely I remember it. No, they grew like crazy. Like, uh, and I was listening to interviews of the founder um, and it was really interesting. I was like, oh, you know, someday I will do the same. I will build this team of people reaching out to influencers and running some webinars. And I even hired the guy who was doing this job for them and it was horrible. I mean, you contact people and it's like, you know, organic traffic, paid traffic, organic traffic, you have people who um, took the initiative to do something, do some research. They, they have some interest. Pay traffic, you're stopping people. You know, they're doing something else. So when you're reaching out to people and you're like, hey, you know, you know, we have a, a SaaS, like they don't care. So it's, uh, we've been doing it for a while. We kind of stopping doing it because it's really not yielding much results. I mean, we, we, we run a, a summit that was successful, but it, it's really tough. It's not the, the best way to grow a company, I think, to try to change the mind of people who haven't asked you anything. So 13,000 users, what percentage do you feel of them came from affiliates? Is it like the majority of them came from your affiliates? Yeah, it's like, uh, I'd say, I don't know, like two thirds. That's amazing. So again, everybody, Look, if you go back and listen to this episode again and you pick apart, I seriously feel that Aurelian has given us a blueprint to going after a competitive marketplace with a new product. You've got all these nuggets, right? You've got focus on the product. You've got, you can compete on price. You've got the possibility of giving someone a freemium. You've got the idea of combining tools and combining things so that people can then focus on one. That's a great way to actually add to the competing on the price. Um, and one of the biggest questions uh, I wanted to, and, and focusing on the customer and the team, like making sure that founder has access or they have access to the founder and really taking their input. And the last one, at least was my question I wanted to ask was marketing, you know, how it's hard to outbid them on to ads. It's hard to do all that. And what Aurelian just said is, hey, we didn't do anything fancy. We don't know how to do paid ads. We don't have the big influencers. We don't have the big affiliates. Uh, we're doing it the grassroots way. It's taking time, but here we are making leaps and bounds. And he's built a business doing almost 5 million a year recurring that's growing at a ridiculous rate. So, and he's doing it through the power of the long tail affiliate. These are people that are finding him and promoting him. And he's not expecting any one of them to break the bank and do crazy things, but just build a, as he, his words, build an army of them. So there's really no reason that you can't, if you're thinking about a business right now and you feel like it's in a really competitive landscape, I think what Aurelian told us was this. Focus on the passion. Do you have a passion for it? Do you have the passion for the product? Because if you're going to go into a super competitive space, you're going to compete, all right? And uh, to compete, to outlast, it's going to take time. You're going to have to still be there. Aurelian's been here now four years with the actual product launched and then two years before that developing it, right? So it's his story with it is six years in and it still probably has another many years to go before he's you know, matching the numbers of his competitors in some ways, but he's passionate about it and he loves it. Aurelian, this has been a truly inspiring podcast. Everyone, I would love for you to go and check out what he's got. It is really neat. It's cool. It's S-Y-S-T-E-M-E dot I-O, system dot I-O. It's the last E is not pronounced, so it's system E dot I-O. Go check it out. Go sign up. There's a free version, if nothing else, and play with the tool. Uh, Aurelian, I want to leave you with a final word, and then I'll, and I want to come back and kind of summarize a couple things for people. But yeah, anything you'd like to say to our listeners? Yeah, I'm very impressed with your capacity to listen and summarize and really, you know, I can tell you're, you know, a very skilled entrepreneur. So I really recommend people to keep listening to your podcast because this is a... 
This is good stuff. You know, I'm really curious to listen to the next episode since it's your new podcast. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Aurelian. And thanks and congrats, by the way, on all the amazing things that you guys are doing. I, I really love seeing the growth. It's been truly inspiring. And everybody, as Aurelian said, if you want to keep listening to our episodes, you can still listen to the old episodes, which are the Fighting Entrepreneurs. It'll be all, always around. Go to onicpodcast.com to binge listen. If you're on YouTube, click, sma uh, click smash. Smash the subscribe button, leave a comment below. And if you're on any of the audio platforms, we need it. Come on right now as we're getting this new podcast out to the world. Subscribe, leave as a great review and with that said listen the, the whole summary of today is you can launch a product in any marketplace it doesn't matter what really matters is your passion for it your commitment to the product and a creative way to enter the market and you can still do it with that said everyone this is onik reminding you when life when life pushes you stand straight smile and push it the heck back see you everyone love you guys bye